Hello and welcome to Getting the Best Results podcast, where each week we talk about shortcuts or techniques that will help you get the best results in life and business. It's all about learning a new method or approach, or possibly an insight or an idea that will contribute to your life in a positive way. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones. I'm an author, facilitator, and professional speaker. My focus is on helping individuals and small businesses break through their common thinking to create bigger, bolder, better results. You can find me at simplythebestresults.com, where you can also find lots of resources to help you break through. Now let's get on with this week's show. This week, our guest is Ed Robinson. Ed is a business growth advisor, coach, and leadership trainer for over 30 years. He's consulted, coached, and spoken to thousands of audiences and hundreds of businesses in more than 30 countries and multiple industries. As the CEO of Rainmaker Performance Group, Ed's company provides business growth strategies and leadership skills to organizations worldwide, helping them transform professionals into rainmakers. Ed is, has authored several books with the Million Dollar Rainmaker being his flagship book that helps all business professionals with their ability to build relationships and increase revenue. Please welcome Ed Robinson. Welcome, Ed. How are you today? I'm doing fabulous, Cheryl. Thanks for having me here today. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad you're here. Well, you know, you and I have known each other uh, I would say probably about 30 years. We started our business about, <laughs> yeah, about 30 years ago, which is crazy to think of. That's even possible. But it, we're still it's, young. It's mind-boggling, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we were very young when we started, and now we're just Absolutely. a whole lot wiser. <laughs> you know, I, I just told everybody about, you know, what you're currently doing, and I think it would be really cool for them to know a little bit about your background because I think you're a little unusual in terms of the industry you came out of and then to move your move into the, the arena of speaking and coaching and so forth. So would you give us a little history about your background? Oh, that's a, that depends on how far back you want me to go. But well, maybe I, not that far back, but <laughs> <laughs> just kind of general, you know, get across the surface. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I typically tell people that I am a recovering CPA, and um, what made what got me into the accounting arena was many years ago when I was in the ninth grade, um, my English teacher had us write a paper on the a industry that each of us picked. At that time, I had an uncle who was an accountant. So I wrote about what does it take to be an accountant, what do accountants do, and um, how much they earn, where do they earn, how in demand are they. And at the time, I always had on my radar screen not to be an accountant, but to be a math teacher. Well, after writing that paper and finding out a little bit more about accountants, it seems like it accountants were math teachers who got paid a little bit better. <laughs> and um, so I, I started, I went to college with a 50-50 degree, 50% or 50-50 scholarship. 50% of it was academic for um, the math part, and the math and accounting, and the other 50% was 
um, athletic. I played basketball for my university for four years um, before I came out of there. So I um, started out, I, I was a definite athlete, came out, was supposed to go do some European ball playing, and I was tired of being coached um, in <laughs> athletics and was really ready to start making money. So I, um, I decided to, to leave, set basketball aside um, other than for fun, and I started working for, um, as an accountant for an oil and gas company in Chicago. And that was ah. Union Oil, where I was one of 660 accountants. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, it was a bunch of us up there in Schaumburg, Illinois. And um, then from there, I had gotten married. We had our first son. And I'm originally from Ohio, so I took a job in Ohio to try to bring my family closer to my my family and my wife's family, which is still we're still in Ohio. And so I took a job with NCR Corporation as a financial um, analyst manager and moved my family from Chicago to Dayton, Ohio. And um, there we were a little bit closer, about three hours closer and clo- three hours from our family. So it was, it was a good move for us. Mm. Well, a lot of our, our, our business started moving south to a company that we were starting to call our southern division. And that, that company was DataPoint. And oh. I left NCR Corporation to become a regional controller for data point in San Antonio, Texas. And I remember saying, I'll go do this for three years. Well, that was in 1981. <laughs> and I, ne- I never moved back to, to, to Ohio. <laughs> My family still stayed there, but um, I have been a Texan ever since. So you're um, naturalized like me. <laughs> I am definitely a naturalized and so you're naturalized from where, Cheryl? From Florida originally, oh. yes, but I got here quickly. I totally should have been born here <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, for 30 years, I had no clue that you were originally from Florida. Yes. It's not, I don't let that information out, but I guess that's <laughs> going to now be public. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I met you right at the beginning of both of our businesses. And, and so you must have just made that jump not long before then from, was that directly from DataPoint into doing your own thing? Is that, well, how, or was there something in between? There was an intermediate. Um, if you recall, we're living in San Antonio, DataPoint had started to bifurcate itself and sell off various divisions. And I was mm-hmm. instrumental in um, um, doing some re- reductions in force, and I saw the the end coming. So in 84, um, I put myself on one of those reductions in forces and had decided <laughs> to start my own practice in um, in accounting. So at the end of 1983, I put in my resignation and um, went away to start developing my own accounting firm. Um, And I started that in January of 2000, uh, 2000, January of 1984. And that that practice grew very fast. And I I built it, 
then I decided I was going to go do something else and I sold it. And then I, the something else was going to buy a franchise and that franchise didn't live up to its name, um, which I'll leave unnamed. (laughs) (laughs) And I decided to start it on. I started Robinson and company CPAs and that grew um, relatively fast too. Until 1989, where my practice was um, grew very fast. I had 15 employees, um, and I was starting to get a lot of calls from colleagues around the country asking me, how did we grow so fast? And I started helping them by the phone or talking, and um, before you know it, I was spending more time helping people grow their business than running my own. So the tail end of 1989, I put my my practice up for sale, sold it, and started doing consulting with advanced marketing concepts, soon to be Rainmaking Performance Group, and that's that's when you and I met. 1990, 91, I think it was, was when I really started to um, put the foot on the accelerator to having my own business, doing training and development. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and and what I hear throughout that history is some real um, successes, like all along the way. You know, like you. Know, and I'm just wondering that people were calling you and saying, "How are you doing this? How did you grow so fast?" You know, and they wanted to kind of get get some of your your juice, so to speak. Was there a skill set or a characteristic that you feel has helped you get the best results and, and create these, you know, these success, successes? Excellent question, Cheryl. One of the things that manifested itself after going through there, it really was, I, I could call it a perfect storm, but the fact that my company was going out of business and I could see that, and I started having the conversation, what was I going to do next, allow the accounting firm to, be, to birth itself. But with my mm-hmm. accounting firm, I knew I had to sell and bring in clients. So I took some training um, from a gentleman by the name of Walter Haley um, to learn <sighs> what, is it, what does it take to be successful selling my own practice and selling businesses on using my practice as services. So um, I went there and learned how to go through, (laughs) um, that that laughter was remembering the name of his program, Near Marketing. (laughs) And it was Natural Existing Economic Relationships. And he helped me grow my business using Natural Existing Economic Relationships. And I had gone to his training and sent three of my salespeople to his training. Um, And after about three or four years of that, I loved it so much. I said, I would like to do that too. And he really started asking, why don't you use some of my material to start teaching other people how to do that? And I kind of did a hybrid combination of what Walter was teaching and um, how it worked for accountants. And that that was the beginning of um, Robinson Performance Group. Wow! And were, so, you, was your target market then accounting firms? Accounting firms, or was, it really was. Yeah. Okay. 
and who else did, were you, you know, connecting? I'm sure that wasn't the only industry that you were reaching out to or, or that wanted that kind of information. Was it, were there others? Well, Latin is notabene. Um, parenthetically, parenthetically aside, I started out only focusing on helping accountants. Okay. And from there, I started teaching sales and sales at associations, primarily accounting associations, Cheryl. Uh-huh. And a lot of those accounting associations would have lawyers there or financial advisors. And um, so they would come to that same association <laughs> meeting. And, and, and my, my methodology, which hasn't changed significantly since then, is to speak to accounting associations and do a really great job and usually I get a half a dozen to a dozen people who are in there ask me to come to their company, their firm, their association, and I would, I would basically leverage that to go to wherever I'm asked. And if, okay. it was a, if it was something that I was vaguely familiar with, I would take on that challenge. I mean, so that's why I tell people my verticals today, the mm-hmm. markets that I work in, are the ABCs, attorneys, bankers, and CPAs. Ah, very good. It's nice that those all go together, ABCs. <laughs> exactly. Cause Accounting, and bankers, reason, and CPAs. I've taken advantage of that for a multitude of years, um, but really one of the other advantages is whenever I do an association, I can pretty much count on those three people being in the audience. Mm-hmm. I bet you can. In some capacity, I can imagine that, thinking about some of the groups that I've spoken to and and not expecting their, you know, their controller to be in the audience because it's a HR group or something, you know. Right, right. Um, yeah, but they came for the topic or they came because whatever, and it seemed like something they were interested in, and then all of a sudden you find out that, oh, wow, look who's here, you know, kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. And so, while some of my spinoffs in the speaking industry um, has been a result of showcasing, um, and um, most of it has been from talking to an association, having someone from that association pull me aside or ask me to – to contact them, then I go to that uh, that company and do work for that company. And my goal was always to become part of the fabric of the organization to where I would plug into that client and work with that client for uh, months, if not years to come. I, my, I would, I've had retainers with clients for as many as 52 months. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's that's the, that's the, like the best kind of work you can get where you've got a long term relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely, it was it was a blessing. It was a blessing. So when you are um, speaking to or working with these organizations, I'm assuming that, especially when they're longer term, I'm assuming that you're not doing a just a one talk kind of thing. I'm assuming that you probably have training or some kind of program that people you take these audiences through. Especially, I imagine the, that big long contract was probably for a pretty good sized company. Is that right? 
Um, that large, large one was for an accounting firm out of California that had about 250 accountants. And um, I, yeah. I did initially, and at that time, they had nine partners. And after their managing partner had heard me, asked me to come and do that for the managing, the partner group for the firm, which had nine, and they had probably about three or four other people. So it was only 12 people that I was doing my rainmaking or business development class to. And mm. after the class, um, just like with an association, three of those partners came up and said, can you coach me, my department, so I can have more rainmakers? Right now I'm bringing in the only one. And I would ask, how large is your department? This one particular one. I remember his name, Michael, had 10 in his department. So we did a, we did a spinoff there. And then another partner and another partner, and I went back to the managing partner. I said, if we keep doing the spinoffs, we're going to end up with um, a pretty big <laughs> bill. I said, why don't we set it up so we have a retainer where I'm spending two days every month um, here at the firm helping people, and if I need to do a um, a lunch and learn or one-on-ones or do assessments for anyone in the group, it will be covered by the retainer. And he liked that. He says, let's try it for a year, and it ended up being four and a half. Oh, my goodness. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. Yeah. So they were obviously really getting value out of that, and it sounds it sounds like it worked out well for them. That's terrific. That's neat. I it worked out like well for both stories. of us. <laughs> I bet. I bet it did. <laughs> well, um, wow. I'm I'm curious because when I think of accounting, and please don't take this the wrong way, but when I think of accountants <laughs> or accounting, I think that, you know, I, kind of the typical green visor. Now, this is very old thinking. I get it. Not that I'm old, uh-huh. but it's the characteristic uh-huh. in my head. Very left brain oriented, um, you know, sequential, orderly, logical kind of thing. And I find you very gregarious, outgoing, um, you know, spontaneous in a lot of ways. Tell me, you know, how have you – and I'm assuming you've got both characteristics, what I know about you. Um, How have you managed to straddle kind of both of those realms, if you will? You don't seem like the typical accountant to me. Um, (laughs) Or do I just have them wrong? I'm going to to take that as a compliment. Thank you kindly. (laughs) Please do. Um, and, and, And gregarious, I guess I would say in that I like people and I listen. And when I am listening, I'm pretty much connecting dots on answering the question, how can I help this person? Um, Mm. Because here's the truth. Um, As gregarious as I am in networking and in developing my business and in helping other people, um, I am quite the introvert. Um, When Mm. I am not on on a stage or in a gathering, I, I am pretty comfortable being by myself and doing my own thing and thinking um, and reading and um, just growing my mind as opposed to having to interact with other folks. So the um, gotcha. the accountant inter, um, 
oh, what word am I? I think the introvertedness um, is a reality. Um, my okay. extrovertedness was something that came out um, much by accident because when my accounting firm asked me to, and basically not me specifically, but every, all the managers that we needed to start developing rainmaking skills or skills so that we can start selling, I, I, I kind of w- balled up inside to say, that's not what I signed up for. <laughs> I just, I mean, selling? You want me to go out and sell? And then I'm an accountant. And, um, and I, have found, I found out that most accountants have that same balling up that I did and are afraid of the concept of selling. And mm-hmm. after I went through years of learning that skill set, um, I chose to help all accountants make it easy. So I thought if, if we had a four-step system or a short system to put mm-hmm. into place, it means that we don't have to think about it. It becomes second nature the more often we do it. And it, it, that the simplicity was something that I wanted people to have, accountants specifically, so that they can jump on board and start doing it naturally and create the entrepreneur in them. That sounds great. And it sounds like having a four-step system would like kind of take the fear out of it for them, if fear was a factor. You know. It, 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 it does, because my initial, my initial program was a seven-step program. And I said, man, <laughs> it's hard for me to remember a seven-step, so I took, it, took that seven-step down to four steps. I might even remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you would. I think you would. It was called so, success, and then it went to rain. And then it went to rain. That's a lot easier. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got you. Okay. It makes sense to me. Well, um, I'm wondering who or what has had the biggest influence on you and in terms of who you are as a person and and maybe even how it relates to your success. Is there someone or something that's that's had a big influence on you? Uh, I, I would have to go back to two or three people in my life who have really impacted basically how I show up today. Um, mm. Probably the number one is my grandmother. Um, but I, I'll talk about number one and number two together because it's my grandmother and my mother. Um, I I had a grandmother who, between her and my mom, they raised me. Um, My dad passed away when I was young. And so my mom and my granddad, my mom and my grandmother um, raised me. And and we called her Big As Your audience may not know this, but I stand six foot five. Um, my, (laughs) My grandmother stands five foot. Um, oh, my grandmother, we call Big Ma, and Big Ma calls me Little Ed. Oh. <laughs> and has, I mean, from when, from when I was young and small to when I was in college, she always called me Little Ed. And she said, with an education, you can do and be anything you want to be in life. And mm. between her and my mom, I was the first male in our family to ever go to college and um, she really pushed that opportunity for me um, and 
quick story. My my freshman year, after my freshman year, um, I was so nervous going to college. I, I pretty much had like a three point eight nine. I mean, I I studied like the Dickens because I was afraid of college and, and making sure I had passing grades and being on the basketball team. Fifty um, percent of the time, I was away from my classes and had to do self-study to stay on top of it. So I really pushed it my freshman year. And after my freshman year, I came to the conclusion that it was an easy deal. So <laughs> my, my, my sophomore year, by the way, I went to a private Catholic school that teaches you weird things like Latin. And sophomore <laughs> is Latin for... I, I learned that sophomore is Latin for wise fool. And oh, as a great. sophomore... <laughs> As a sophomore, I figured, wow, I don't have to study as much. And I took for granted a couple of my classes and got a C minus. Um, what do they call them? Those um, not for the end of the year. Mid. It was like a mid, the midterms. A, midterms. Yeah, kind of a yeah. It was like you, you, you're running a C minus. And I mentioned that to my mother. I was very disappointed. And I she mentioned it to my grandmother. And my grandmother sent me a letter, Cheryl. And she says, my little Ed, do you realize how much of a privilege it is to go to college? And in essence, you do not have the right to take this lightly. And a C minus is that you're not taking it serious at all. And she kind of ringed me in that letter. And never again did I have to worry about um, not taking it seriously. So. She was extremely impactful in my life. Mm. And um, um, then wow. her and my mom in that year. And then Walter Haley was, was very instrumental in growing me, too. I think he knew Walter. But I Walter, did. when I met Walter, I think he was around 81 years old. And mm. he was so um, gregarious and great energy. And he um, basically said, yeah. If you want to do this, you can do this. And um, because of him, I, I decided to take a, take a step out of my comfort zone so that um, I can do this permanently. And mm. thank God for the Walter Haley's of the world. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Such a, such a good soul and just always contributing to others and helping. And I think he probably also came from that place, like you were saying earlier, you know, how can I help this person? Because I, uh-huh. never, I never, in all my interactions, it was never about him. It was always about, you know, and I didn't have a lot of interaction with him, but it was all about service, which was really cool about him. Yeah, yeah. he was Absolutely. just a great man. Great man. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm curious, one of my questions I ask everyone is that if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self and you get to decide which younger self you talk to, <laughs> it, it might be that sophomore, um, but it sounds like your, your grandmother took care of that one. If you could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give him about maybe the future or um, anything. I mean, what would what would you say to him that might be of help? Well, 
Cheryl, coming from the space that I am in now, um, and like, like you, I've been in this space for over 30 years. I love what I do, and I love to contribute and to speak and to train and to coach and consult in this space. Um, a lot of people think you and I, or speakers in general, can talk about anything. And I'm not a talk about anything kind of guy. I am. Mm. I have a sweet spot. I have my arms around my space of what I do, and I can speak on that forever. I, I, I've jokingly said I can wake up out of a coma and talk about my space for 20 hours straight without without <laughs> stopping, right? Um, because I just love it. It's what I do, and. I would tell that, so if I was starting in the consulting uh, entrepreneurial space again, um, I, would, I, I would do things that I wish I had done earlier. That is carve out a niche and provide products for that niche sooner versus later. Mm. Um, and if I can give you an example of that. Please, um, yeah. Myself and some people in my mastermind group have a philosophy that whenever you do a product, you do five products. Let's say that again. Whenever you yeah. do a product, you do five products. For instance, um, I wrote the Million Dollar Rainmaker to help mm -hmm. people sell and business development. My mastermind has this thought. If you're going to write the book, also publish the audio version of that book put together an online put together a class and presentation for that presentation for that book mm -hmm. then put it put that same presentation online so that you can create scalability so that it doesn't have to be you all the time it can be mm -hmm. um, an extension of you or however you do that and the last thing is um, based on the popularity of whatever product you bring, do what we call the T3, and that is the Train the Trainer program so that you can train people and get them certified to do the same things you are doing in that space. So I've just given you five things. Mm. If you write a book, you should have these five things. There should be an audio right. version of that book. There should be a presentation based on that book, you should be able to then take that book and put it online. And then eventually, with that popularity, have a train-the-trainer so you can train other people to do what you do as well within the companies who want to hire you. That's can a I great meddle? idea. Can I, can I meddle? Can you, you meddle? Know, I'm either, what? Can I meddle Absolutely. a little bit? Sure. So, that philosophy would say, with that beautiful new book that you have, um, <laughs> which is great, you, I'm sure you have a speech that goes with the book. You should also have an audio version of that book. Then mm -hmm. put together a program online so that that book reaches further than you can do by yourself. And then eventually get to the point where you can train other people to teach the same subject matter after they got certified to simply the best so that they can then have those skills to teach them within their company or their firm. Perfect. That's, that's what I would tell my younger self because I didn't start doing that until I was an mm -hmm. old man. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I appreciate you meddling. And yes, you're absolutely right. And I don't have all five of those. And I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that's, you know, if you're going to create something, you should create it fully so that you've got all these avenues and you're able to take advantage of and, and as well as serve the different ways people want to take in information. I think exactly. that's very wise, very wise information, very wise. Well, Can I give you another advantage of that? Yeah, sure. If you go into writing a book with that mindset, it gives you a, a little bit more research to do so that you know the breadth and the scalability of your subject matter so that it becomes a lot more robust, your book becomes a lot more pro- profitable, and it is the source of everything else you do. That makes a lot of sense. I can see how the, the kind of like the, the spokes go out from it, you know, and if you come in yeah. with that mindset, you're prepared for it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I did not approach mine that way. And However, it doesn't mean that it still can't go in that direction. And, you know, oh, absolutely. Flexible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have so, to, I have to yeah. admit, I, I did none of my books with that mindset, but that was something that I learned shortly after. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. Well, and with my book, uh, the... Um, I have a companion, so the the title of my book is Emotional Self-Mastery, and uh-huh. I have the 90-day um, journal, if you will, that companion journal that goes with it, and so actually many of the things that are in the journal could be taken out and put in as part of that online presentation or, you know, any number of, of ways to augment it, and so, so I have a lot of the components, I just need to put them in a different package. Absolutely. So thank you for that Absolutely. idea. You're you more awesome. than welcome. You're more than welcome. Very cool. Well, um, I let's kind of kind of bring the focus back around to what's next for you. What is next on the horizon? We are sitting um, in the middle of a pandemic that we've never seen the likes of before, and so that is not business as usual. And I'm wondering what what your thoughts are for the future and what's next for you? Well, you kind of you kind of threw me for a second there, um, Cheryl, because <laughs> you you just gave a title of a good book, and that is it's not life as usual. Because mm. what's going to happen when this pandemic is over? Nothing that we used to know is going to be the mm-hmm. same. Nothing that we used to do is going to be the same. So how do we pivot so that Mm -hmm. we're poised to be successful post-pandemic time period? And one of the things that I had put on my calendar, um, Cheryl, even though we met 30 years ago, I am significantly older than you are. And... Um, after, let's just say after 60, you don't want to get on planes as often as I have been <laughs> historically. And so one of the things I was concentrating a lot on for 2020 prior to this pandemic was creating my programs so that it's available online so I can reach more audiences, more verticals but more importantly, to be able to scale so that I can reach overseas 
and teach my information and my train the trainer online so that I create a tribe around the world who can teach what I teach. Mm, So taking this pandemic time, which seems to be another, let's just say it's over the next 45 to 60 days. That gives Mm -hmm. me quite a bit of time to put together a plan and an outline, a timeline to make sure I have all the pieces of the puzzle necessary to do that as well as validate whether or not that's our environment when we get out of here, when we get out of this space. So Mm -hmm. um, using that time to to think and um, get together with some of my colleagues like yourself to bounce ideas off of so that you're, it's not, even though we're isolated, it shouldn't be an isolated thought. It should be uh, a group of people coming up with some ideas and moving forward. I think that's, you know, that in itself of what you just said about a group of people working on ideas to move forward, I just saw this kind of picture in front of me of people of different skill sets. So yours is selling, you know, mine is emotional intelligence type stuff. Mm -hmm. Somebody somebody else's might be customer retention and acquisition, uh, although that's selling too. Um, I don't know. I don't. I didn't get the specifics of these little these little bubbles, but I could see these very complementary skill sets coming together to you know to form a real robust. offering uh, Absolutely. In, in a way that we've not necessarily thought of doing it in the past because so so often in our industry as speakers, we tend to be very um, siloed, if you will. We, this is what we do, um, you know, and we don't share. It's not that we don't share with each other. We don't tend to share clients or, or, or come together very often to work together, you know, um, yeah. to, to offer something bigger. So that was kind of that's interesting when you talked about it. I, that was the picture I got was groups of people coming together like they never have before to provide value. Interesting. Yeah. So um, imagine that you're you know that 90 days from now we're going to be out of this what I call a funk, and you mm-hmm. reach out to seven colleagues, not all in the same business, but very much like you identify different industries, but it could be it could be a leader, it could be someone who has been um, an entrepreneur, it could be a CFO, it could be someone in the healthcare industry that has been whose cage has been rattled significantly, and mm-hmm. just brainstorm what would serve the world, your industry, your vertical, well when this is over. And just brainstorm some ideas and then trying to put together a new puzzle that can help folks. And That's exciting. I, 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 I think it would be great. I think it would be too. That sounds like a lot of fun to me. To get does. to play and create and explore and imagine. Um, yeah. And trying to figure Absolutely. out what the needs are going to be. Um, you know, all those people would have different aspects. So they're in their their point of view on what the needs will be then, and I think that would could be significantly interesting. <laughs> you know, you're you're so right. I, I can give you two examples. Um, 
One example is in this pandemic space that we're in, um, I'm separated from my three boys um, that you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Eddie is in Charlotte, Stephen is in Houston, and um, Alex is in Dallas. And last week, one day, I was missing them significantly. So I, and one of the things, is Alex is my youngest, so he's 33. So they're 33, 37, and 39. And I say that so that your audience from this, <laughs> this podcast <laughs> recognize that I am not. <laughs> they're grown men, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They are grown men. And we all have, uh, we have developed this, um, this, affinity or this love for scotch so i sent out a zoom invite to my three boys and said we're going to have a scotch happy hour and this was last wednesday and all three of them all four of us were on this phone and we started out talking about the pandemic talking about our families my grandchildren popped in and out during the during the conversation we actually started even talking about who were the best rappers. And I was like, how did we get here? But we enjoyed having a conversation that went in a thousand different ways. And because of which I, I, I'm doing the same thing tonight with my mastermind group. We're going to have a happy hour to say, how's everybody doing? What are you working on? And what will serve other people when this is over? That's great. Well, I can't wait to hear about the results from that. So you'll have to follow up with me and let me know what you what you guys learned from Most your discussion definitely. tonight, <laughs> please. And you and well, you and I yeah. are way overdue for a cup of coffee. <laughs> yes, we are. We we will have to have one virtually for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, let's uh, wrap this call up and. Um, and let me invite you to tell everybody how they can get in touch with you because that is important information. So if you would um, provide us with how best to reach you and where to get more information about your services. Well, um, per your guidelines, let me give you three things. One is um, my website is edspeaks.com, E-D-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. And my email is ed at edspeaks.com. And my phone number is 210-601-5282. And the fact that we have gone through an entire podcast and people have listened to us, I would like to make an offer to them. And that is a free copy of my book, The Million Dollar Rainmaker. And if you go to m dollar sign r at edspeaks.com you can get a free copy of my book and it's just i think it's like 7.95 for shipping and handling but i i would love to offer that to every one of your um all of the people in your audience Wonderful. Thank you. What a lovely gift. That's awesome. Now, I've read pleasure. that book, so I recommend it highly. So just to repeat that, that is M dollar sign R at edspeaks.com. That's where you can get your free book. And that's yes, Million Dollar ma'am. Rainmaker. It's a great book. Thank you for making that offer. I am sure that our listeners will really appreciate that. It is absolutely well, my pleasure and my joy. 
Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you again so much for being my guest today. And I want to say thank you to you all who listened today. I hope that you've enjoyed our podcast and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.